Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Good morning, Frontline. It's good to see all of you. It's good to hear all of you. Wow, you guys got a lot to say. How many of you said hardest thing was being a Lions fan last season? Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm not going to lie. I anticipated seeing a lot more Lions jerseys today. Uh, I'm convinced half of Michigan believes there is a God now because <laughs> the Lions are number one. This, has this ever happened? I don't think this has ever happened. Uh, I'm a Bears fan, all right? I just got to get that out ahead of time. Be okay. All right. Good. All right. Glad. Find a new home. All right. There you go. Hey, welcome. I'm just so glad that you guys are here. Uh, if you're new, if you're joining for the very first time, my name's David. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, so get used to the Bears comments, all right? Get used to those. But I am cheering for the Lions this year. Call me a bandwagoner. I don't care. Uh, I, I want to see them win. I want to see them do well this year. So, hey, here's the deal. I'm pumped that you're here. I'm glad you're here for Welcome Home Sunday. We're launching a brand new series today. But to get into that, I want to tell you something uh, about nature, right? I want to tell you about something kind of cool. The largest organism in the world, probably you didn't know this, uh, is actually the aspen tree. How many of you actually knew? that before. You're like an aspen tree. How do you go from lions to aspen tree like that? Uh, Because we got a place to be. We got to move here quick. So the aspen tree, believe it or not, is the largest organism in the world. And there's a a section of aspen trees all grouped together out in in Utah. It's called Pando. Have you ever heard of Pando before? So Pando out in Utah, it's the largest organism in the world. And oftentimes aspen trees get misunderstood or they get uh, uh, misdiagnosed maybe as being singular trees when actually uh, a group of them, what happens to their root system is they don't just interconnect, they almost, they fuse together. So one tree is not one tree. One tree is a part of an entire organism that functions together. It's not all that different than humanity, right? Because what you see on the, on the surface maybe looks like a group of individuals, but actually what is underneath the surface is a whole interweaving of connectedness and community. So did you know that we are all in an epidemic right now? Did you know that? It's not COVID, all right, so relax. It's not uh, bird flu, it's not mad cow disease, it's not West style virus. Do you know that according to the Surgeon General right now, uh, many of us are not doing well? That the Surgeon General of the United States declared that we're in an epidemic right now of loneliness and isolation. If you were a tree, right, if you were an aspen tree, how healthy is your root system? How healthy is your root system right now? Is it strong? Is it vibrant? Is it connected? I mean, is it healthy or is it rotted, distanced, brittle, weak? 
You know, moments like the one that we were just in, it's fun to meet and to talk and to sing and to laugh and to joke with a lot of of other people. But what we know, right, that above the surface, we can be great. We can look great. We can have stuff together. Job's great or marriage is great or whatever. On the surface, it looks great. As soon as you start pulling some dirt aside and looking at the interconnectedness and the roots underneath, isn't it true? A lot of us in here did not come in healthy, did not come in strong. A lot of us came in primary victims of this epidemic that we are all living in right now. Now, here's a question that I have. If we're the most connected generation to have ever lived on the face of this earth, you think about social media, you think about the internet, you think about relationships, how easy it is today to have that. If we are the most connected generation, how is it possible that so many of us as people struggle with this thing called loneliness or isolation? Here's one of the quotes that uh, the Surgeon General shared in his report. He said, in recent years, about one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness, and that was before the COVID-19 pandemic. Before it cut off so many of us from friends and loved ones and support system, he goes on to say this, people began to tell me, he was a doctor, right? He'd been all over the country. He said, people began to tell me that they felt isolated and invisible and insignificant, even when they couldn't put their word or their finger on the word lonely. Time and time again, people of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds from every corner of the country would tell me this, I have to shoulder all of life's burdens by myself. Or they would say this statement, if I disappeared tomorrow, I don't think anybody would even notice. Have you ever had that thought? Has that crossed your mind? Have you wrestled through that? Did you have it this morning? before driving over here today? Did you have it this week or this month, this year? There's a reason we asked you such a deep question right at the beginning. What's the hardest thing? All of us have hard things that we're going through, but most of us are going through them alone. This is why we're launching this series. It's a three-week series. If today's your first day, whether it's your first day back or your first day here or your first day in church or your first day whatever, you picked an awesome day to come back because we're just going to do this really short series called Life Together. It's actually what we were created for. In Genesis, we're going to read Genesis. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull out your Bible or pull out your phone. Or if you're watching online or even here in the room, we'll have words on the screen. I want to take us to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. It's the first book of the Bible, chapter 2, verse 18. And it says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be, everybody say that word with me, alone. God said in the very beginning, it is not good for you to be by yourself. It's not good. I'll make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. It goes on to say, and whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found from the very beginning in creation in the Garden of Eden. There was Adam. And God created Adam, and he created everything else, and he brought it to Adam saying, you decide, you pick, you give it a name. And what God was looking for was the relationship to take place. And what God said, there's no suitable helper. He lacked relationship. A dog can't be your best friend. Neither can a bird or an elephant or any other synthetic form of community that we often seek out instead of human relationships. So what does God do? 
from the very beginning, we were created for relationships, so God creates Eve, another human being, for the purposes of relationships. So here's what it says, a couple verses later in 24. It says, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So when I'm reading this text, I go, that sped up quickly. We went from needing a relationship to they're both naked, and uh, I have to address why, right? Does that rub anybody else? Around? You're like, what? We're, this is Welcome Home Sunday. Why, what, what are we talking about here? The word that's used is really important. It's really important. The, the word used is er, okay? Everybody say er. Er, it's a Hebrew word. Here's what the word means for naked. It means to be exposed or to be made bare. In the very beginning, when God created human relationship, there was nothing separating the two of them. They were exposed. You could say they were vulnerable. They were made bare. There was nothing hidden. There was no inhibitor. It was perfect. It was pure. It was the way that God had created it. There was nothing interfering with the relationship among Adam and Eve. And then in chapter 3, it only took three chapters of the Bible, technically two chapters of the Bible, for sin to enter into the picture and the effects of sin that created havoc and wreaked havoc on the world, on you and me, on Adam and Eve, on everybody that's lived between us and everybody that will live beyond us. Sin created havoc. And the first thing Adam and Eve did when sin entered into the world, when they chose themselves over God, when they believed the serpent and they fell into temptation, what happened then was there became a barrier between human relationship and between humans and God. The barrier, this fear entered into the equation. The first thing Adam and, did, Adam and Eve did when they sinned was they hid. God was walking through the garden. They hid, and what it says is they sewed fig leaves together. They created coverings for themselves. Here's what I want to say to you. Without getting too deep with you too quickly, I think that is exactly what every one of us has done in human relationships in our lives. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want people to see the real us or the full us or the true us. So what we do is we create coverings Call them masks or call them facades, call them pictures, call them images, call them whatever you want. What we have done is we've created a persona to ourselves that gives us distance from other people around us. And I'm going to tell you this, and I mean it from a place of love, it's killing us. It's killing us. And what God has called us to be as the church is different than that. So this is our problem, right? But we have, are a people that are obsessed with safety, right? Isn't that the first thing that you think of? Man, if people knew the real me or, or, or people could see the real me or if they could see the struggles or if they knew me for who I actually am, if they did, man, I would not be safe, right? How, how many of us, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us have been hurt by people that we let into that part of our circle? Right now we're talking parents or we're talking siblings. Maybe we're talking, talking teachers or coaches or classmates, friends, people that we let in. We know that when, when we take off a layer of protection or a layer of barrier, when we take off something that separates us from a human being, that person can hurt us or wound us in a way that nobody else can. We, we've become a people that is obsessed with safety of keeping people at a distance. 
So think about the closest relationships in your life right now. How much of the real, full, unhindered, unfiltered version of yourself do they actually see? Think about the people closest to you right now, the people closest in your circle. How much of you do they see? Give it a percentage. Here's what I'm willing to bet. I bet nobody said 100. Maybe you're close. Maybe you're far. The invitation that God has given us today is to experience a different kind of relationship. A different kind of relationship with each other and a different kind of relationship with him that is unhindered. But here's the problem. If we don't pursue that, we become a people that's known by probably a lot of things, but I'm going to highlight three. So here's the first one. We become known as a people that moves way too fast for relationship. So if you think about the speed of your life, the speed of your work, the speed of friendships or the speed of anything, we are a people that has become so focused on speed at the expense of people. Here's the second thing, though. We as a people uh, are now known as having an inability to navigate conflict. When there's too many barriers between us, when there's too much distance between us, we no longer know how to wrestle through or dialogue through things that we disagree about or conflict on or believe different. And what it does is it drives the chasm further and further and further apart. And then here's the last thing that we become known for as a people is a people obsessed with technology. Every one of these becomes at the expense of people. It doesn't matter if we're talking phones or internet or work, working remote, whatever it is, technology is not driving us to people. It is actually driving us far more away from people. So here's the problem. Whether we realize it or not, we have decided that it is not safe to be known so many of us have settled for something far less than what we were created for and what we truly need. Is that anybody else in the building? We went camping this last summer. So my family and I, we went camping. We were in a campground. And I've grown up camping, I mean, for as long as I can remember. So I love camping. I love being in the campground. But it's different with cell phones, isn't it? Uh, I'd say for me, it's better with a cell phone. But it's different. It's different in the campsite. It's different in the campground. So we were camping up north a couple hours, and uh, here's what I noticed. I was paying attention to how much devices were being used, not just with me or our family, not just with our group, but just the people around me. And there's this couple that was camping next to us. It was really interesting. It was an older retired couple. They had bought a nice camper, and they'd be traveling around. That's what they're doing for retirement. And, and what I would watch them do every day, which just it made me laugh, but then it also made me sad because I'm like, I do that, is they would walk out of their camper in the morning. They would both sit with their cups of coffee in two chairs underneath their awning, and they would both pull out their phones for hours, and they would not talk. They, they wouldn't hardly look at each other for hours. I mean, it, it became almost this game for me of like walk out of the camper. Oh my goodness, they're still there. Like you wonder, do, are they texting each other? <laughs> it just makes you wonder, you know, and, and here, here's what I walked away with. It is a picture of loneliness together. I think that's what so many of us have become accustomed to. It's a picture of loneliness, being totally isolated all by myself with other people. If you, uh, if you could read my transcript of uh, counseling appointments over the last decade of my life, 
I see counselor on a regular basis. Here's what you would see in David's transcript. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel by myself. Uh, I'm afraid to let people in. I've been hurt in the past. And so I struggle to have relationships knowing, man, as I, the older I get, the cost seems to skyrocket for a relationship that, that sours. So as I've sat with that and reflected on that and processed that, even with a counselor, here, here's the best advice that I've gotten from my counselor over the last few years. He, he would say this, David, you just need to work on cultivating relationships in your life. How much am I paying for that? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> but why is it so hard? If, if I said the same thing to you, if I sat down with you and we talked about where you're at and what you're going through in life and how you feel and, and the loneliness that you're dealing with or, or the, the shame that you're feeling or the guilt you're feeling or whatever it is that has caused you to feel like you are in this place all by yourself, if I sat down with you and I said, I think you need closer relationships in your life, what would you say to me? David, you just don't understand. Here's the thing. I, I think all of us know we need that, but we're not willing to pay the price to get it. We're not willing to, to risk. We, we want it as fast as possible. We want something that meets my needs. And then we want to move on and do our own thing. I, I think God has something different. So if I had to boil down this whole sermon today, here, here's what I want to tell you. And it's one line. It goes like this. A relationship with Jesus makes it safe to be known by others. And a lot of you maybe in this room know this, but the challenge of today is going to be to act on this. A lot of us have decided it is not safe to be known by others, or it's definitely not safe to be known by others in the church, or in others in my workplace, others in my family, others in my neighborhood. It is safe for me to keep a distance between me and other people, but here's what I've learned. Years of counseling, years of discipleship, years of people mentoring and investing in me, this is the conclusion that I have come to. A relationship with Jesus makes it safe to be known by others. So what do I mean by that? Uh, I think pursuing safety does a lot more harm than good. I'm an eight on the Enneagram. I don't know if there's any other eights on the Enneagram in this room. Uh, this is the most opposite of my personality uh, that could exist. And every other eight in the room gets that. And, and eight's deepest fear right? Is they're, they're going to be cornered or they're going to be trapped or they're going to be taken advantage of. And so if I think about relationships, everything in my mind revolves around safety. But here's what I would tell you, right? Safety does a lot more harm than good because of this. It leads us to an isolation from others, total independence, and it creates an echo chamber of ourselves. Some of us maybe go, what's wrong with that? That's what I'm after. You just gave it a name. Here, here's what can happen. It's easy to become self-absorbed, prideful, judgmental, entitled, fearful, anxious, and lonely. If I took it one step deeper, here's what I would say to a lot of you in the room. I honestly think a pursuit of safety will drive us away from God, not to him. I watched this movie uh, 
yesterday, yesterday morning, I watched half of it because I was looking for a specific piece and then I couldn't put it back down. The, the movie is Chronicles of Narnia. How many of you, just show of hands, have you seen this? Have you seen this movie? You know what I, so a decent amount of you maybe will know what I'm talking about and a decent amount of you won't and that's okay. I'm, I'm gonna explain it, I'm gonna set it up. So, so this movie, the whole movie is an allegory. The whole movie is an allegory. It's about Jesus. And so Jesus is represented in the movie by this lion named Aslan. And so Aslan is this character in the movie where there's four children who they're, they're on this trek and desire. They ended up in Narnia by mistake, but there's this war of good and evil that's going on. And Aslan is the king. Aslan represents. So, so one of the girls is talking to another character in the movie. And here, here's how it goes. It was Mr. Beaver, okay? Some of you are like, I'm never watching this movie ever. <laughs> it's worth watching, all right? It's Lord of the Rings-esque. Here, here's what Mr. Beaver tells Susan. Uh, he is the king of the woods and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Because she goes, who's Aslan? I've never heard of Aslan. So Susan asks, is he safe I'm meeting a lion. Is he safe? I feel quite nervous about meeting a lion. And so Mrs. Beaver responds and says, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or else just silly. It's going, oh, safe? You're meeting a lion. It's a fierce lion. So Lucy says this, then he isn't safe? And here's the response that I think is so important. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. Those of you that have seen the movie, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, you know the scene where this takes place, where they actually meet the lion. I mean, there, there's this like fear and trepidation that you can feel for the characters when the lion walks out of the tent and he represents the king. I want to ask you a question. Is God safe or is he good? I don't think God's safe. The longer I sat with this, I mean, that, that statement hits different, especially if you've had a bad experience in church or a bad experience in life or if you had a significant loss or pain. What a lot of us think is God is not, God is not safe. What I would tell you is God, God is good. You know who God's not safe for? Sin. God is not safe for sin. God is not safe for those that oppose him. God is not safe for those who rebel against him or curse him. God is not safe for them, but God is safe for us. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it's because of the goodness of of Jesus because of his love for us and his love for humanity. In the movie, Aslan lays down his life to save the life of one of the little boys. And it's the exact same thing with Jesus. Jesus lays down his life, not to be safe. Our version of safety is give me what I want when I need it, God. You be who I want you to be and that's what I call safe. That's not who God is. God's a threat to that. What God is inviting all of us to is to find our safety in him, to find our relationship in him. The greatest threat and the greatest risk that all of us actually face is the same thing that Adam and Eve went through in the Garden of Eden. 
It's sin. Sin is our greatest threat. And the effects of sin that go generation to generation, it affects biology, it affects sociology, it affects financials, it affects every part of of life that we're used to. The greatest threat that we all face is not each other. It's sin. And because God is not safe, he's good. He sent his son Jesus to go to the cross on our behalf and take care of the biggest threat that exists to every one of us, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we feel it or not, whether we agree with it or not. The greatest threat to us is sin because it leads to judgment and separation from God forever. And Jesus, a threat to the enemy, a threat to Satan himself, says, I'm going to lay my life down. Because even though maybe you look side by side, you compare yourself to other people, you worry about what what will they think and what might they they arrive at conclusions about me or what what could they do to me, whatever. We, We may look and rank ourselves horizontally, but God in heaven looks down on us and he sees us as equals. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And that's why he gave us Jesus. See, if we have a relationship with Jesus, we know that he paid the price for our sin, that the greatest threat that we could ever face has been taken care of. It was nailed to the cross. It was just like we sang about earlier today. The greatest threat is taken care of so that we can actually enter into relationship with one another, not going in with something to gain, not going in with something to lose, not going in with something to prove, but going in as one who's been saved by grace with another group of people who has also been saved by grace equals where we can go, how do we pursue Jesus together? That's the whole purpose of this series. Jesus makes it safe to be known by others because he's taking care of the greatest threat that we could ever face. So 1 John 1 says this. says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But... If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. The purification of sins is what makes us safe. It's Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection three days later that makes us safe. Jesus had the ability to remove the filters the barriers, the inhibitors, everything that would prevent us from moving back towards relationship with one another and with God. Jesus removes all of the barriers, and he invites us to step in to experience him in a way that many of us have never experienced before. So here's how I want to close. I just want to ask you a question, okay? The question goes like this. What is safety costing you? This is a really good question for you to write down or to put in your phone or to take a picture of and process later. And actually start thinking through, start thinking through your life. What is safety costing you in relationship with your spouse? What is safety costing you in relation to people at work or in your neighborhood or with your friendships? 
Man, if you want to go big, what is safety costing you in your relationship with God? If we see God as a threat, we'll never let him into the deepest places of our hearts that we desperately need him. But God has a gift for us. God has a gift for you. That's how he designed his church. We were created to be in a community just like this, to do life together, to pursue him together. Nothing to gain, nothing to lose, nothing to prove, but to seek him together. I'll tell you this, uh, I'm in a small group. I'm starting my fifth year with my small group and my entire life, I've never been in a group like this one. I've never been in a group as long as this one. And uh, even from here, I, I can pick out a couple different people in my small group that I've done life with in this room right now uh, over the last five years. And I'm gonna tell you something that I haven't totally told them yet. So here you go, guys, you can hear it too. I dreaded group for the first couple of years because I was terrified, terrified. I grew up in the church, my dad's a pastor. What I learned early on was whatever happens up here, you need to make sure it's translated out there. So whatever the stage version of David or the preacher version of David, whatever, I, I learned to put a mask on when I would go to church or when I would be there on Sundays. And the idea of being in a group of people where I didn't have a barrier or didn't have a separation or didn't have a division terrified me. And I wrestled for years. I mean, even part of my uh, wrestling with Shannon, my wife, was there were plenty of, of group nights I didn't want to go. And she'll tell you that. There's plenty I didn't want to go, and it was because I don't feel safe. What if they reject me? What, what if they don't like me? What, what, if, what if like what I'm doing at church affects all of these relationships? I got a whole life and history full of my dad making decisions for the church that cost me personal relationships. And the idea of going back to a group over and over and over and allowing people closer and closer and closer into my life and who I am, it, it made the risk skyrocket. And here's what I want to tell all of you. It has been the absolute best thing for my marriage. It's been the absolute best thing for my kids. And it has been the absolute best thing in my relationship with God to actually let people in. I love my group. There's five of us couples. We've multiplied like rabbits. There's like a hundred kids. We laugh together. We cry together. We celebrate together. We mourn together. We pray together. Um, I don't think I've told all of them this. If Shannon and I die, a couple of them get our kids. It's what we were created for. Do you have that? Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how much you know about the Bible. If you can be a part of a group that says we're all equals here. What's happened this, this last week? Somebody said, oh man, we have a pastor in our group. So if we ever have whatever, and somebody else went to bat for me and they said, he is not a pastor in this room. You're not a CEO in the room. You're not a teacher in the room. You're not a doctor in the room. You're not whatever it is that makes you think you're different than the people around you. You are an equal. 
We're all saved by grace. We're all pursuing Jesus together. And it could be the greatest thing for you, for your marriage, for your friendships, for your kids, for your family, your neighborhood, whoever, if you will simply take a risk. And you can do that. It's why we have groups. It's why we're launching them today. It's why we call this Welcome Home Sunday. So as you leave today, build some relationships, fill out that card that you got when you walked in, click the link on the website online, take a next step, get involved in a group because it is what we were created for. And it's what God is inviting us into together as a church right now. So let me pray for us as we close. God, uh, we just love you. God, I'm, I'm grateful that you're not safe. I'm grateful that you're good. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so deeply, that you know us so deeply. You know everything bad about us. In fact, you've been rejected by us, and yet you choose to love us. And you chase us down, and you open your arms, and you invite us to step in to a relationship with you so that we can go into every other relationship fearing nothing. Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died for our sins. Jesus, as we leave, I, I pray that we would not be a church that is built on safety. I pray that we'd be a church that's built on you, Jesus, that we would follow you into relationships with other people, that we would pursue you together, that we'd be held accountable together, that we'd study your word together and pray together and do life together exactly the way that you created us in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden. I pray, Lord, that we would have the guts to take a risk, to do what you've called us to do. And just like Janice said, to be obedient to you as we pursue you with other people. So God, we love you. I pray that you'd be glorified and worshiped. I pray that just as we close out our service today, that you would receive our praise as an offering to you. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said together, amen. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.